Welcome to the Leadership to Wealth podcast. Guys, we have an amazing episode for you today. This guest has sold a business for eight figures. They've sold another business for nine figures. He's, he shares with us today how he got into business, how he's gotten through business. He's a author. He's got his own podcast. And he really shares with how to view your future so that you can be making that happen today. Not like a person looking out in the dark, staring, wondering, how do I get there? If you've ever wondered that, this is the show to watch with our special guest, Mike Malatesta. And on today's show, we have Mike Malatesta. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. Neil, it's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. I, I'm actually really interested in a in asking you a couple of things. Obviously, I've gotten to to get a little get to know you a little bit in preparation for this. And I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more of your story and really sharing that with the viewers. What yeah. and the listeners, what I want to start with though is if you can sort of introduce yourself a little bit and tell us, you know, where where you're from, where you're born, raised, and uh, and and just give us a quick uh, synopsis of where you are to now and the how did it happen podcast. Okay, <clears throat> sure, we'll do. So I was raised in a small uh, town called Havertown <clears throat> outside of Philadelphia. Um, and I was had a great, great childhood there. Um, you know, really nice family, great community. Um, we sort of rallied around the, the Catholic Church there when I was growing up. And um, yeah, I mean, I just wouldn't, I guess, you know, so many people look back on their childhood and they have some issue with something. And I really didn't have any issue with anything. I just um, I had a good, <clears throat> I had a good upbringing. And uh, I moved to Wisconsin in uh, 1990, so I've been here for uh, a long time, Neil. Um, so it kind of feels like, I mean, it definitely feels like home, but it's not, you know, nothing's the same as where you grew up. Right. Uh, professionally, I became an entrepreneur when I was 26, and I've um, started and uh, grew and sold two waste management companies that specialized in uh, really specialized not in trash so much as in helping manufacturers with complex waste problems related to um, the byproducts, wastewater and sludges and hazardous waste and those kinds of things from from the making of everything that we you know love to have in our life. You know, our cars, our clothes, our 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 shampoo and <laughs> soap and all that stuff. So that's what um, that's what most of my professional career has been like. I've I've been very fortunate to um, to have those two companies and 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 have uh, been able to to sell them as well, and that's helped me fuel a couple of my other passions. One of which is um, the podcast, as you mentioned, the How Did Happen podcast, which you can find on Apple or any podcast platform. And um, that's I've, I've been doing for about three years. Um, and if we want to, if you want to get into that more, we can. But I, um, but I've also um, been very fortunate to get involved in a lot of uh, investing outside of the companies that 
that I've owned or been a part of. And I have this sort of mission now to help a thousand entrepreneurs create companies that are valued at at least $20 million each. And then encouraging those thousand entrepreneurs to impact 10 other entrepreneurs each the same way. And if I'm, you know, anywhere close to being successful with that over time, over my lifetime, that's going to create hundreds of billions of dollars in, in value. And I don't just mean this for the money, but in value to the world. And, uh, and I really can't think of anything else professionally, at least that, um, that, that, that I could do that would have an, a bigger impact than that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, that is the magnitude of that is, is huge. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that cool. It's a little <laughs> as, scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I'm just letting that seep in and I'm thinking, wow, it's, that's, that's amazing. And, um, and inspiring. And uh, there, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to get into a number of those things that, that you just shared there. Sure. One of the things I kind of want to talk about is because we always like to kind of look back a little bit in terms of, hey, you're here now. You've you've you're quite successful. You you've done you sold two businesses and you're continuing to build more. Uh, we want to hear more about the podcast and and you're. Uh, writing, uh, you've, mm. you've written your own book. I want to hear some more about this. But I know that uh, when you were a kid, because this is a little bit different than most, when you were a kid, you th saw yourself working in a cemetery. Is that correct? Uh, well, I didn't see myself. I actually did work in a cemetery, Neil. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, so you got you to gotta shed a little bit more light on that one. Okay. Well, um, I sort of progressed in life from job wise, from um, a newspaper boy, which was yeah. my first job, riding around with my bike with a basket on the front, and I would fold the newspapers and and toss them around the neighborhood, and then go collect for the money. That was so that was a great um, experience and how to run your own sort of tiny little mega business. Um, and then I um, I moved up from there to caddying, so I, I would caddy at the local golf course, um, which was a, a, another outstanding experience because it, sh it that showed the incredible dichotomy, uh, for me at least, of, you know, different um, places in life. So all of the caddies were either, uh, you know, grade school or high school kids like, like me, or they were, you know, professional caddies, meaning mm. um, they weren't in most cases, it wasn't like being a tour caddy. These caddies were, um, they were, they were struggling through life. Let's put it right. that way. And then, right. um, you know, we'd get our name called and we'd go from the caddy shack up top to, um, this was a, this was, and continues to be an exclusive, uh, golf club. And you just got a chance to see the, how the, you know, how the other, the, the rest of the world right. lives kind of thing. Right. So it was a very interesting right. dynamic that, that, yeah that I, that I, um, I found myself in, I, and, and fortunately I, I tried to take as many lessons I can, as I could from the people that we were caddying for, as opposed to the people we were playing cards with while we were waiting to, uh, to get out. And then, um, I moved into the, um, the cemetery, which was really a coveted summer job for, uh, high schoolers, um, in the neighborhood because, um, 
you know, you got to, you got to work outside, you were doing, you know, cutting the grass and you were doing funerals and all that stuff. And it just seemed kind of, kind of cool. And you could walk there, you know, so it was, so, um, so I did that. I really enjoyed that. Um, you, now when you, I, you would be officially the first person that I've ever heard say working at the cemetery was cool. Yeah, it was cool. And I'll tell you why it was cool. One, one of the, one of the, so one, you're working with your friends for the most part. Right. So that's, oh, okay, that's yeah. cool. And then, um, we had, <laughs> we had a sense of humor. So the, the, we, the local, you were allowed to have a sense of humor. Yeah. We, a had a, we had a sense of humor. So here's an example of a sense of humor. We had t-shirts that we wore, <clears throat> but on the backs of the t-shirts, um, were all these sort of very interesting cemetery related, uh, uh, statements like, for example, uh, the last to let you down was one of the, 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 the sayings on the back of the T-shirts that we wore. So during funerals, of course, we had to turn the T-shirts inside out because, you, you know, you can't that kind of sense of humor doesn't really fly when, uh, you know, no. when your loved one is 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 the point, the center of attention. Um, but, yeah, it was a fun place to, to it was a fun place to work. So fun to get to the answer your question so fun that when I went to college after a semester, I dropped out, you know, because I went back to work at the cemetery because I thought this was a cool job and I could make a mm. career out of this. Maybe I could become the supervisor and maybe, you know, run the show one day. Um, plus it, you know, it put money in my pocket and it felt good to me, you know, to have money in my pocket at that age. And I just thought, um, what do I need school for? You know, so I, so I did drop out of school to work a, se a semester mm. at the, at the cemetery. And fortunately, for me, in retrospect, um, the 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 brother who's like, kind of like a priest who ran the cemetery um, at the near the end of that summer told me that he wouldn't be able to hire me back full time in the fall, unfortunately, and that um, I should maybe think about going back to school. So I don't know if my parents conspired with Brother Richard on that. Um, could have been, you know, sort of behind my back, but that's, uh, that's how I ended up going back to, to college. And then I ultimately, I graduated. Right. Right. That that's amazing. Um, so, oh my goodness. I, I do you have kids of your own, Mike? I do. Yeah. Two kids, oh, yeah. two kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, they're adults ask, now, I guess, but, <laughs> um, let me ask you this because you mentioned something interesting about, having a paper route, uh, working these summer jobs. And and it seemed like to me as a kid that this was just a normal part. You tried to get one of these jobs and it was coveted if you could get the paper route. It was coveted, you know, if you could get some of these jobs. And um, whereas now I don't see kids really wanting to uh, well, in fact, you you can't get the paper route job anymore because there adults no. have yeah. yeah. Well, and and any that there are, the adults have them. Yeah, because, the car. Uh, yeah, and yeah, they have the car. They move around and and uh, throw them all uh, at the at the stairs, or they're putting them there. But um, they just don't. You, they don't even want the kids to uh, to be doing them. But kids don't really want those jobs as much as you know, as perhaps we did in those days, McDonald's and, and the, and the like. Yeah. Can you speculate at all about perhaps what might've changed from when you were a kid wanting those jobs to, to where we are now? Yeah. That... 
Well, I didn't have, I didn't have an iPhone. I didn't have a computer. So uh, I didn't know, I didn't have these other things that I could um, look at. I didn't have the internet. I didn't have any of those things. So the only thing I had was the neighborhood, Neil. That's all I knew. Mm. And that's just what we did. There was no, you know, there were, there, the, the, it, it was just a small world. That's all I knew. So I did, my parents said, hey, well, you get, yeah, you need to make money. And so I was like, okay, well, I, these are the things I can do. So I'll try to do those. <laughs> right. That's really interesting. I, I actually heard someone say uh, this morning, they were saying um, one of the things about our generation that's really different than perhaps uh, some of our parents' generation or some of the younger kids is that we didn't have the internet and all of these things. Um, and so as a result, and in fact, we had, what did they say? Oh, they, they said, I think we can sum it all up with the fact that we, we only had Saturday morning cartoons and right. that, mm. you know, and so by and large, and I think that was only an hour or two uh, on Saturdays that you got one or two shows and uh, and then that was about it, right? So by and large, yeah, totally. Go outside, completely, go yeah. do whatever. <laughs> completely, and and you know, um, w w when I was a kid, sand was just something you played with. It wasn't something that you looked at and go, "Well, this could be a microchip." You know, we just never, <laughs> we just never looked at it that way. We, we, as they say, yeah. we built ca castles in the sky, uh, right. in the sand. Yeah. Right? That that's amazing. Okay, um, all right. So that. That, and that actually really does speak to something there for why you would get into it so early and why perhaps uh, kids have a have a harder time with that because there are so many things vying for their attention. Yeah. Now, now here you are uh, building and luckily getting kicked out of the cemetery. Um, I mean, I know we're all dying to get there, but, um, mm. you know. Um, See, that would have been on the back of one of our T-shirts. You're dying to get here. Yeah. <laughs> just, just tried to get that one in. <laughs> <laughs> so so here we are. Um, you get kicked out of there. And um, and now you you go back to school. And waste management? How, how did that come about? Uh, a love of trucks. That's how that came about. So, okay. So when I was four, um, <clears throat> before any of those jobs that I mentioned, we lived across the street from a construction company and, uh, yes. okay. uh, and I would sit on the curb in the summer in the afternoons and I would watch the guys bring back their trucks and their equipment. And I was just fascinated by all of it. The, you know, the, 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 the noise, the dust, the, the exhaust and the guys. I just thought it was a very, very, very cool way to, to, uh, to operate. And, you know, I think, you know, I think that when I was four sitting on that curb, there was an entrepreneurial seed that was planted in me. Um, uh, that, I, and I had no idea of course, what an entrepreneur was or a business owner or anything, but whatever was happening across the street looked cool to me and something that I would like to do with my life. And so the, um, the cemetery was actually kind of an extension of that because <clears throat> I got to operate some of the equipment that we would use to, to dig the, 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 the graves and to fill them back in, uh, dump truck, the, you know, that we would haul stuff around in and that kind of thing. And then um, between my junior and senior year in college, I wanted to get 
a job driving a truck and I, and I did get a job driving a, a trash truck, garbage truck. And so that's where the waste thing came in. So I, I had no, I, no aspirations to get into that industry. I just wanted a job driving a truck and that's the job that I was, I was fortunate to get. And once I had it, I, I just really enjoyed pretty much everything about it. And, <laughs> and I enjoyed okay. the business and, and so I went to the owner at the end of that summer and I asked him for advice and he told me that um, I should, you know, if this interested me, I should try to get in a man management training program or a sales program with one of the bigger companies. And, um, uh, and, and so when I was time to send my resumes out, that's what I did. And I got hired by one of them as a management trainee. And that's sort of, that's not sort of, that's how I ended up in the waste business in the first place. Okay. Okay. So, uh, favor fortunes, the bolt, uh, favor, fa uh, fortune favors the bolt. <laughs> and, uh, and you just got put yourself out there and, and there you had it, you got into this program. Uh, but I, I'm really curious about this. You, you two management, two waste management companies sold them both for multiple yeah. figures, multiple, multiple yes. figures. And uh, I believe one was for nine figures, you said. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Okay. So one was for nine figures, one was for eight. Mm, that's right. Okay. Um, that's a lot of zeros. And so that's a long way to go from a management trainee program to uh, to running and owning these types of businesses and and then being able to navigate the sale of them because quite frankly most entrepreneurs will go their entire life work way more hours than the average person with a job and at the end will <laughs> will pretty much still have about as much as a person yeah. who had a, a regular job right you, now they probably enjoyed themselves a lot more they got to call more shots they may have had more flexibility in their schedule um at the end of the day they just got to do it the frank sinatra way my way right mm -hmm. and uh, uh so they've got that but what what was the what was the key to you building not one but two eight and nine figure businesses well um the key to the second was the first so that's an, and, that's the, and being that's able to sell them while you're still young enough to then go on and do more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The key to the second one was the first one. And so that's, yeah. that's a simple answer there. The key to the first one was, um, was, a, was, was a, a lot more of a struggle um, because, you know, we, that we bootstrapped that business, you know, from nothing. So when I say startup, I mean, startup and, um, it was a very, it was, it was a very uh, exciting, but also a very, um, at times, de-energizing uh, process. And when you, when you mentioned that the, the the journey that a lot of entrepreneurs take, that's sort of the purpose of the the book I wrote is that is, is which is called Ownership. Um, the the like. See, I think entrepreneurs should always think big. 
um, because getting into it is very, very difficult. Um, and as long as you're into it, you might as well, you might as well go as big with your thinking and as big with your company as, as is possible to go in my, in my opinion, because you're going to work just as hard, probably harder to not go big. Um, but, and, and from my own experience, I, I, uh, I, for the first 10 years or so, um, I did not do very much shifting. Um, meaning, uh, I got in, uh, you know, at the beginning, which is what I call the dream stage. And, you know, you're just so excited and you're just, you're gonna, you're gonna crush it, right? You're just gonna crush it. And, um, and everything that you do is a win. It's like everything is exciting. Even if you lose, it's still exciting because you're in that sort of dream mm. phase of it. And then um, at some point, and for most of us, and certainly for me, it it transitioned into what I call the grind phase. And the grind phase is that, yeah. that phase where um, you the, the dream starts to really get blurred with all the stuff that has to be mm-hmm. done in order for you to... Yeah. Um, to grow and and uh, you know all the things that you know excited me by the time I was you know ten years into the business were frustrating me and they were um, they were making me ma- angry and they, I was disillusioned with myself you know so mm. um, so at that point I I I I fell into this place that I call the valley of uncertainty Neil and that valley is a place where I think a lot of entrepreneurs end up. And why they don't get where they where they ultimately should be, at least in my uh, estimation, because that valley um, uh, is the place where where um, they they feel stuck. They don't know where they don't know what to do. They uh, are are completely de-energized. They're looking for someone to blame for what's happened to them, and they don't see. At least this was my experience. I didn't see what that 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 where i was was exactly where i was supposed to be and until i became aware of that neil it was very difficult to to make progress to get through what i call to break through um and i think that's what happens to so many to so many of us because we 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 have you know we get it started the dream goes you know the dream is like alive and then the work sort of takes over and all of a sudden you're not doing anything that you thought you wanted to do in the dream stage. You're doing all the things that have to be done. Um, and you're basically sort of, sort of, you know, creating a path for yourself that leads to this Valley. And once you're in the Valley, most, most stay stuck there because the natural tendency when you're in the Valley is to retreat, not to advance. Okay, let me let me pause you for a quick second there, Mike. Yeah. All right. So guys, if you're listening, we're talking about uh, being an entrepreneur and how oftentimes entrepreneurs are get into the valley in their businesses and they get stuck there. And uh, we're here with Mike Malatesta and he is sharing about how to be able to uh, start a business and work your way in and out of the valley, I, yeah. I think uh, we we get into the valley naturally. But and and the name of your book is uh, Owner Shift. That's I right. like the play on words. That's great. Uh, Thank you. And people can uh, can they f- can find that on Amazon and uh, and the like. Where where can people yeah. find that book? Yeah, it's available on Amazon. Uh, Owner Shift: How Getting 
Selfish Got Me Unstuck by yeah. Mike Malatesta. Um, Malatesta. Okay, great. Yeah. And on top of that, if you want to hear more, you can uh, uh, you can also hear Mike on his podcast, How'd It Happen? How'd it um, happen? Okay, so, all right. So, gosh, I you're you're so speaking to me right now that, and I've been in, I've been in these places so many times, um, and oftentimes I've thought it's uh it's a good thing i like grinding i remember perhaps that mm -hmm. my mom and dad told me to you know that's that's what life is going to be to some degree so when i find myself there i'm almost like oh okay this is where it almost feels a certain certain amount of natural so i don't feel the need to run as much as perhaps other people that close up shop at that point give up um and so you, you're really speaking to me, and I think you're really speaking to a lot of the listeners uh, right now. So, Mike, business owners, entrepreneurs, they, they've got that dream, and then they find themselves in the valley. Yeah. And, and, now, and, and now what? what like, we, you just don't know. Where do we go from here? It, it, you can no longer see the rainbow coming out on the other side. There's no longer that. Now it's... Well, I'm doing this, and you're almost tied to a to a business like a job for yes. however long. And you, right, you right, right. You why, get into, do, why don't I just go back and get a job like the other people? Well, like you said, uh, Frank Sinatra, I, I did it, you know, did it my way. But but yeah. you're unless your way is about you know for, you know the expansion of freedom and all the other uh, uh, positive things that come with being an entrepreneur, your way might not be that great of a way. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, that was my experience, Neil. I, and, and the reason that, <clears throat> I mean, the minds, the mind shift thing that you, that, that, that I think is very powerful here is when you find yourself in that situation. And as you said, you, 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 it's normal. It's not abnormal. Mm -hmm. It's normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you find yourself in that situation, in, in addition to being okay with the fact that it's normal, um, although not using that as an excuse, that's, see, that's, I think a lot of people go, well, it's normal. This is what should happen. Mm. It's what does happen. I don't know that it's what should happen. Right, right. Um, okay. But, uh, but, but the mind shift thing for me is, and this was not an overnight epiphany or anything, but as, as I was struggling to, to figure it out, yeah. it, it finally occurred to me that, um, I designed a system that was perfectly suited to put me exactly where I am. Yes. Yes. And so that can either be depressing or it can be very encouraging. So for me, for me, it was both, right? It was like, oh, why did I do that? Right. But then the encouraging part of it was if I designed a system that was perfectly suited to put me right where I am, and I can accept that as being my truth. Then I can certainly accept as a, as my next truth that I can design a system that's perfectly suited to put me somewhere else where I want to be. I don't have to stay here. Like I was very successful in in designing this, and yes. this is where it this is where it led me. So maybe I didn't think it through all the way, you know. But right. But it was very successful, and so now I can design something successful that helps me get to uh, a different future, a future that I actually want to own, that I want to make my property. Right. So, so you found yourself that you had built your own prison. You'd built your own yes. casket. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I got another cemetery one in there. <laughs> I can't wait for the third one. <laughs> right, don't worry, it, it, it'll come to me. You I'm know, sure um, uh, just we're we're just dying to get there. So, yeah. um, we're <laughs> so we've got you've built this prison, and and I believe it, especially since entrepreneurship is so much of a journey where we're trying to learn about ourselves in the process. Oftentimes it's, I, I can really um, hear what you're saying when you, when you're talking about how the second business was easier because you'd already built the first yeah. um, you, you'd already learned a lot of those lessons. And so Correct. You, you could, you could skip through a lot of things, uh, skip over even some of the valleys. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So you saw that and then you said, all right, it's time to, I, I've got to, what I've got to pull myself out of this. I've got the, what, what, what happened to start to then be able to transition out of the, the Valley. How'd you get out of the Valley? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. It was funny. You said, um, you know, how do you get out? You, you, cause for a long time while I was in there, Neil, I was wondering the same thing and I was wishing, I was wishing that someone would come along and put their giant hand down into that valley and grab a hold of me and pull me up out of there and dust yeah. me off and say, everything's going to be okay. Here's yeah. where you, here's what you need to do. Well, that person never comes. Right? <laughs> that person, that yeah. person never, never comes. And so, um, ultimately, uh, and this is why the, the, the subtitle of the book is how getting selfish got me unstuck. I really had mm. to get selfish about me, about what I wanted, about what I wanted my future to be, because, um, until I was able to do that, um, I, I was going to stay where I was, Neil, because, um, the only, the, the things that I had been doing, as I said, put, put me there. And I didn't realize that I was until I, until I did finally realize, I didn't realize that what I was doing was, you know, was the, the reason that, that, that I ended up there. And, um, and I just, I, you know, I was one of those people that, um, I described myself as selfless. Like I would put everybody else first. Yeah. Like yeah. I came, I came last. Right. So, and I thought, well, that's what all the business books, you know, say you should do, right? It's, yeah. The take care, take care, is, take care of care other of people, people and they'll take and, care and of you'll you. And you'll get, right? yeah. And I think that's true, but it's only true if I really know where it is I want to go. Mm. Other okay. When I don't know that or I don't think about it for long periods of time, which often happens when you get into, you know, the grind part of being an entrepreneur then the selflessness starts to become an excuse. At least it was to me, an excuse not to do the job that I'm here to do. Like it's takes up all your time to be selfless. And so um, that feels very productive. It feels very heroish. You know, it feels like you're very important. And um, it also, it also uh, is a way for you to say, I don't have time to think about I don't have time to think about the future. I don't have time to think about what I want. You know, the, 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 there's no, you know, everything that you could say after you say there's no time for put in whatever you want. That's what, that's what ends up happening. And so, um, it was a very difficult, um, 
change for me to decide that I wanted to be selfish, but I, but, but, and of course I don't mean selfish in a, in a way that it's typically, you know, defined or interpreted by people where it's all about you. It's what I, what I mean is, is greedy and narcissistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not that it's just, if, if I'm, if I don't know where I'm going, how can I expect other people to, to help me get there? And Mm -hmm. if I'm not being my best self, how can I expect the other people on my team to be their best selves. That's the kind yeah. of thinking I'm I'm talking about. So um uh when you, you when you're in that valley and you can't you can't make that shift, I think what ends up happening, and this is what beats people down, is like, why did why should I continue doing this? Because the the future is going to look just like the present and just like the past, instead of no. I can change the way that I'm doing things and the future is going to look much different because I'm going to decide what it is and then I'm going to move toward it. So I'm going to decide what it is. I'm going to decide what I want it to look like. I'm going to decide that it's my property that I, that I deserve it and I own it and I'm going to pay for it. And here's how I'm going to do it. Um, And so that's the, that's, that's the difference I think. So once you got to be selfish to, to, to do that. And once you're, once you once you're successful, once you you you're selfish and you can get that first sort of breakthrough set into your mind and then bring it back to your business, um, it's you can then be selfless again because you know you've 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 sort of set the you've sort of set the charge. You know where you want to be, and you've also you've so you can explain it to everybody, for example. But you can also mm-hmm. build just a much better team then because you the 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 way to the future is not um, you know, the way from the past. So you have to change as an entrepreneur and you have to change mm. as a leader and you have to change your team probably as well. Wow. Wow. Okay. If, I, I mean, for the entrepreneurs out there, they are, uh, you know, they're here listening to this and I think you've got them on the edge of their seat. Like this is, this is the real deal for an entrepreneur. They are sitting out there and oftentimes if they're really honest with themselves and they look in the mirror, what they see is that their ego is, is really enjoying what they're doing because they're needed. They're serving people. They're doing all of these things and that feels great, but I'm burning out or I, how long can I keep this up and can I make it to the next, can I make it to the next uh, stage? And, and then, and then especially now where, and I see this all the time, entrepreneurs looking at social media and seeing all these other people that you know oh i put this money into bitcoin and i made this and you're like what the heck i've been yeah what am i killed myself for all this time and you know and now i got uh this guy over here telling me that uh you know i'm an idiot and i should have been doing that and and people really have that is and probably one of the things that I see that probably is really challenging for entrepreneurs is they see that and then, and then they make the, the, the biggest mistake I think is then they go, Oh, let me go chase down that one. Let me, let me see if that's the way. And now they start spreading themselves thinner and thinner into this pot and that pot. And yeah. Now, you know, which, you know, like a roulette table, how many different bets can I put down? Which one's going to pay off? Right. I, I think you're right. Um, 
shiny object syndrome is sometimes something that we're we're accused of having. Um, yeah. But it's you know that whole thing that you mentioned about social media. That's um. That, that's so. This whole notion that um, so and so is smarter than I am because they post something that looks more clever than what I would think about posting. Mm -hmm. And um, that makes me think that I want to be like that person is such a waste of time. Um, at least in my estimation, it is. If you focus as much time on what you're doing as you do on what other people are doing, you would have an amazingly successful business and career. Um, mm. But, but um, and I think you were intimating this, and I, I hope I'm not sounding like that, but like a person who's like, oh, it's so easy, you just do this, because it's not anything close to easy. And anybody that tells you it's easier, that they have a shortcut or a clue or a secret, is probably trying to sell something. Uh, and the way they make their money is by selling you something you can't do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and yeah. they can't, and they can't do either. So, yeah. Um, so maybe that's a successful business model, but it's not a successful business. That's for mm. sure. Wow. Um, I, I really want to jump onto something that you, you just mentioned as well about waiting for someone to reach down yeah. and, uh, that, you know, a lot of the reason that for me, even on the podcast was recognizing the lack of mentorship I had growing up. And, you know, we're here we are, we're putting this out there. We're putting out our stories. You're, you're talking about uh, the years of slogging it out and being in the valley and not yeah. knowing where, you're, you know, giving some truth to it. So I can completely understand and relate to that feeling of, please, somebody just tell me that I'm going down the right way or that I'm, you know, is it this way or is it that way? Because quite frankly, I think a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs have probably spoken to someone who has said, oh, okay, yeah, you need to do this. I mean, there's so many business coaches out there. You don't even really know how do I know where to go? How, how do yeah. I recognize if this is the, the person I should be working with? And can they actually get me to the next stage of where I want to go? How, how, yeah. do, how does an entrepreneur navigate that? Well, um, a couple of things that have worked for me, I'll, I'll share and whether they directly answer your question or not, you tell me, but, um, First of all, the the I think that one of the things that leads you into the valley is you surround yourself, whether you build walls around it or not. You use the term walls. I use that in my book too. That I built walls around me. Interestingly enough, um, you surround yourself or put walls around you where everyone that's inside of those walls uh, <clears throat> has something called a paycheck that you happen to sign and the likelihood that you're going to get, you know, unfiltered feedback from those people is probably low. Um, you're going to get good feedback, good positive feedback all the time, making you think that, you know, what you're doing is the right thing to be doing. So how could I be feeling like it's not the right thing, right? Everybody's mm -hmm. telling me it's the right thing or no one's telling me it's the wrong thing. It's probably, probably, mm -hmm. um, so for me, I, it's hard to get, and this is even with a, with a coach. I mean, it's hard to get 
it's hard to know that you're getting good feedback from someone that you're paying, right? It's just hard to, it's hard to know. So um, I think quantification comes into that, which right. means you actually have to know what you want to accomplish before you know if someone is helping you accomplish those things. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think the other thing, and, and it's been very helpful for me, is to get into groups with other business owners who don't have any connection to me. They don't, mm. their opinion of me doesn't impact their wallet one bit. And my opinion of them uh, doesn't Im impact my wallet one bit. And when you get into groups like that, I find that um, you can, now it's not coaching. I'm not saying it's the same as coaching, but you, you, uh, you can start to get perspectives on your, if you're willing to actually tell people what you are thinking and what you are going through, which a lot of times you're not, you know, cause you get in these mm. groups and you're like, I want to make sure I look as good as I can look to all of these other people. But if you're willing to get to that place where you say, I don't know. And then whatever comes after that, I don't know. And you listen to what these other people have to say, that can be a nice way to open the door to your own thinking. If you're willing to, 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 to do that. Um, and I mean real, like not, you know, Neil, I'm sure you've been to plenty of, in plenty of groups and plenty of business networking things and stuff where it's like, how's business? And it's like, it's great, man. We're crushing it, right? Yeah, everyone's crushing it. But that coaching business is like going through the roof, right? So not everyone's crushing it. Um, so you have to get into a space where you feel safe talking to people who have no financial interest in you except, but, but have a goal of helping you. And if you can get really open with those people, they can help a ton point you in the right direction, or at least get your thinking different than the thinking that you have when you're in the walls of your own business, for example. Wow. You, you just spoke to me on so many different levels. Um, obviously being in those, some of those groups, uh, some of those networking parties and the like, um, I'm, I'm usually not the person that's uh, the most liked because <laughs> I, I do like a certain amount of truth. And um, after we get the, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. We get that out of the way. Okay, now how are we really doing? What are, you know? Um, and, uh, and I'm usually pretty open about sharing, you know, hey, this part of my business is working well. This part is, quite frankly, it's failing and I'm not sure wh what to do there. And um, and I think one of the difficult things for entrepreneurs and I think perhaps just people in general is when you do that, when someone shares like that with you, then you feel like, oh, now I got to tell them, oh, actually, you know what? This is going bad for me as well, which creates a bit of safety there. But one of the things I've seen is that um, is that sometimes there is a bit of remorse for for entrepreneurs that, oh man, now I admitted that I wasn't doing good. And, you know, um, and we don't necessarily like having to admit that to other people because then we mm -hmm. have to accept that ourselves. Um, so I'm not always the most fun guy at, at parties. Um, but, uh, but that is interesting that you were saying that because what it has led to is when I then do meet other uh, business owners that are willing to talk on that level, man, do you ever learn a ton of things? Because yeah. then they start sharing some real life, like real um, practices, mindset, you know, and, um, and just shifts 
that that mm-hmm. can totally make a difference. Um, yeah, it's very liberating when you when you decide that you don't have to know everything. <laughs> yeah. Well. I, okay, guys, if you're listening, I'm I'm Mike and I are just like just sharing whatever's going on for us right now, and so I'm just giving I'm trying to give it, and I'm taking for Mike's wisdom right now, and I hope you guys are too. Um, and so what I would share about that, Mike, is any time that I have shared on that level, that I've on a vulnerable level, when another entrepreneur, another business owner now meets me there, that feeling of someone reaching down and grabbing you yeah. actually occurs because they all of a sudden share something, you know what, I've been there and this is how I got through it. And that is literally the most amazing feeling as a business owner to when you can be in that spot and you know how hopeless you feel. Mm -hmm. And then, and then all of a sudden you actually get solid um, advice and direction from someone who, yeah, you're right. In most cases doesn't have anything to, to gain yeah. from that. Yeah. And once you've progressed to that point, your value, your values get shallow, right? Because you know, like my, my value is deep because I didn't, I hadn't progressed to that point. So I didn't know how to get out, but now, and I still get into valleys, of course, right. Things oh, go wrong. And you're like, Oh man. And, but you you've got that support network. So your valley is very shallow. You've, you, you meet, you know, right away, you can, you can have a discussion with someone about it and they could probably do enough to tug you out of there. Right because you already have the confidence that you know you can get out of there. You just have to spend a little bit of time in there, you know, it's just a, just a, you know, because it, you just have to get in there. Right. And you just have to be yeah. down on yourself for a little bit and then someone pulls yeah. you back up. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I don't know if it's even uh, needing to be down. Sometimes I think it just, if you can just have a curiosity about it, um, mm-hmm. You know, or uh, I've heard a great term, just being discovery. There's something there and just being discovery of what that is. And if you have that curiosity, that discovery, and you acknowledge, as you said, that you don't know everything, then all of a sudden a whole world opens up that where you can hear other people share their experiences and potentially learn from that, you know, or you can listen to them go, now that's not going to work <laughs> and move on. But nothing ventured, nothing gained. Sure. Right? Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So I got to ask then uh, you, you go through the valleys, you know, and I'm, and I'm guessing you talk a little bit about some of the ways to get out of the valley mm-hmm. and, uh, and refocus. Um, and, uh, but what, you know, how in the world did you get from there to being able to, sell your business for eight figures? Like, how did you, what was the secret to, to really even, did you know in advance that you were building that business to get there, to get to that point, to sell it? Uh, no. Um, you know, at the very beginning in the dream thing, like before we'd ever <clears throat> earned a dollar, I had these sort of very grandiose sort of ideas about what it could become. Yeah. Neil, but, but, you know, 10 years into it, I was thinking about quitting, not about, you know, what it could become. So right. I'd say no right. is, the, is the answer there. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead. 
So I, one of the most impactful things that happened to me and, and helped, you know, get me started getting out of this valley was I joined a program called the Strategic Coach, which is a, an entrepreneurial coaching program, but not, it's not a one-on-one coaching program. It's a, it's okay. a, it's a workshop coaching program. And I went there <clears throat> And I started learning some new stuff, being around some new people, as I mentioned before, that, <clears throat> that didn't have a financial interest in me at all. Um, but one of the things that um, I look at and I write about in the book as being a, <clears throat> something that really helped me make that shift that I needed to make was um, the, the, the person who created that program is named Dan Sullivan. And when, when we would go to a workshop, we would... Yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but we would get uh, CDs in the in the information that we that we received, and and on the way home from the workshop, I would listen to the CDs, and um, and I was, he's an he's just an unbelievable thinker um, and 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 coach. But I was driving back from one of the uh, sessions, Neil, and listening to him, and he was talking about this. Uh, high school reunion that that he was at. Maybe it was his fiftieth high school reunion or something that something like that. Maybe forty five, and he was describing what the people who he had gone to school with, how they had sort of turned out, and what they're what they were thinking about, what they were talking about, that kind of thing. And he said um, five words in that CD um, that just changed a lot for me, changed the game for me. He said, my future is my property. And he, and like I said, he was describing this, this high school reunion environment. But when he said, my future is my property. And then he said, um, you know, it's not my parents. It's not my employees. It's not the governments. It's not anybody. It's mine. That, that made everything about being selfish and all the other stuff really start to make sense. Like it just solidified the fact that I can own the future. I can create the future I want. It's not something that's just going to happen to me unless that's what I want. Um, so that's, that's, that, that was a game changing uh, uh, five words for me. Cause I'd never heard anything like that before in my life. My future is my property. That's right. That um, I I I just had to stop, find a notebook, <laughs> write that down. Um, I I know you know obviously any of us that are listening, we can go back and rewind it. Um, but I but I was just so in the moment there that I thought I have to write this down right now because I think for all of us it's it's really there's just a handful of moments that can really uh, make a difference because they things can click for us right yeah. and um uh and what i just heard you say with my future is my property um i actually heard and and i'm not sure that this was even what what you were speaking to and perhaps you can clarify but um it it it's something that uh, perhaps that I think about in terms of perhaps speaking into uh, like speaking the future into existence to some degree. Like um, I have to 
I have to create that to then go in that direction. Um, and, and my future is my property. I don't know. I'm literally what I'm hearing is like that, that belongs to me. And if it's, if it belongs to me, I better know what it is. Yes, you're exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. See, nobody thinks about their future as being their property. I certainly didn't before I heard Dan say that, but because everybody thinks that the, the future is, is unpredictable. The future is just something that's going to happen to you. And the future <laughs> yes. is just an uncontrollable thing. And, and yeah, there are things about the future that you're not going to be able to control. But the more you know about the future you want, the more you are going to, going to be able to control. That's ex At least that's mm -hmm. what I believe. And that's what's been very helpful for me you know, to continue to make breakthroughs instead of being, being uh, um, you know, stuck uh, in the, in the valley of uncertainty. Yeah. Well, I always, I, I always uh, want to give a shout out to um, one of my mentors, his name's Shami Baba and uh, Shami, he would, uh, he would talk to me about uh, as, as you guys call it hard money lending or here in Canada, yeah, yeah. we call it private mortgages. And uh, I remembered him talking and it was, it, he was so sh so sure of what he was talking about. Here's the outcome. And I thought, how does he know that this is what's going to happen? Now, he would end up sharing with me how, how we could know, look, you're going to do this, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then you're going to get there. So the question is, how much do you want to do, do you want to put in right now, if that's where it's going to get you? And I remember falling over like, I felt like a ton of bricks falling mm. over, thinking, what? You can actually plan things out in that way? Why does why does everyone make it seem like it's just an illusion out there if you you know it's like closing your eyes and firing a dart and hopefully you you get there. And right. up until that moment, I would not have been able to have any idea you would have been talking about wishing uh on a star with that statement. And yeah. And now I'm hearing this and I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you've got to, it's a good refresher to go, do I know what my property is out there? Because otherwise, how do you map it out to, to get there? Exactly. <sighs> okay. So, oh, man, guys, I hope as you're listening to, to Mike sharing about his path and, and how he's gotten to where he's gotten to, I hope that you guys are hearing the power of his message. And again, uh, I just want to share his book, uh, Owner Shift by, by Mike Malatesta. And um, now, Mike, let, let's just quickly go over to uh, the podcast. Sure. Neil, Neil just, did... just, just before you do, I'll just let you know we're, uh, we're on the hour, okay? Yep. Thank you. Oh, Got thank it. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. Now, just I, I want to make sure that we go back here and I don't want to miss this part. You, you've got your book. Uh, people can read that and uh, really understand the shift that they need to make as the owner. But you've That's got right. the podcast. How did it happen? Tell us a little bit about the podcast and what you're trying to do with that. Sure. Yeah. So I've been doing the podcast for about three years. So I've got, you know, a couple hundred episodes out there, Neil. And um it's a very simple concept. Uh, I 
I explore stories of success in, in all disciplines, right? So entrepreneurs, physicians, academics, philanthropy, you know, you name it. Um, and my, I have one goal in there, and that is that I want to dig really deep into these stories. I want to uncover the clues, and I want to share them <clears throat> um, with the people that are listening because I want to inspire, activate, and maximize the greatness inside everyone that's listening. And these people that I have on, by and large, are people that um, – if you're in their circles and you look at them, you say, wow, you know, how could they, how did they become what they've become? And I kind of want to demystify that process because almost to a, to a person, none of these people started on top of the mountain. They started just like every, any listener, you know, they were a listener at one point and they share um, and we talk about and we explore these simple, these, these, what seem like simple things that happen, but were profound, sort of like what you and I have been talking about, you know, where it's the intersection of their life with a person. That's the intersection of their life with an idea. It's the intersection of their life with a saying yes, when everyone else was saying no, it's the intersection with a mentor. It's, it's the intersection with, um, the, the, just the, the, the sheer grit to move past something that most people stop at. And they were, you know, they, they were all almost, like I said, to a person in your shoes at one point in their life. So they're, they're here telling you how they got into a different pair of shoes. Um, mm. If you listen to that, I'm just, you know, I'm hoping that that activates something in you because we all have greatness inside of us that's underutilized. Mm. And as I said at near the beginning of this podcast, especially for an, for an entrepreneur, um, if you're not thinking big, I just think you're making a mistake. You know, that's, that's, this is, life is a hard game, man. So you might as well be thinking as big as you can, as big as you can think and as great as you can think. And that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. I, final, final question here I've got to ask is about your, your mission here to, yeah. uh, a, a thousand, thousand, get a yeah. thousand business owners um, to, or entrepreneurs want, yep. to, uh, $20 million in value, right? In mm -hmm. value. Yeah. Um, how, how do people, how do people volunteer for that? <laughs> well, so, so I, obviously I can't single-handedly do the, you know, that kind of a thing. So what I've, yeah. what I've done so far, so this is my path so far, I've invested in over a hundred companies. Now, a lot of those investments, some of them have been direct, but a lot of them have been through investing syndicates. If you're familiar with an investing syndicate like AngelList or something like mm -hmm. that, yeah, that's that's the path that I've chosen, and that path has allowed me to make modest investments in a lot of companies that have great potential, a lot of entrepreneurs that have great potential. Um, but I, but I, I, it's not all on me. Like you know, the the syndicate does due diligence on the company; they make recommendations. They're actually the leader. I'm a I'm playing a small role. But my, but, but my, um, 
but my mission allows me to play a role. So I, you know, it's so I'm in a hundred right now. Will all of those be worth twenty million dollars? No, of course not. A lot of them will fail, but um, but that's the start, right? So I'm ten percent of the way there theoretically to a thousand, and um, I'm just going to continue on that path to get to a thousand. So I don't know how many I'll have to go through to get to a thousand, and it'll take me a long time. I mean, I started that a couple of years ago. I'm 56 now. It'll take me my lifetime probably to 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 do that, and that's fine. Um, but you know, it's like it's like everything in life, like um, any big goal or or any big future that you want to own as your property. If you think about how you're going to do it from A to Z right now, it's going to be an overwhelming thought, and you're probably not going to do anything. <laughs> you're probably just going to think about it. Yeah. So I've I've start you know so my path to say A to Z, Z being that the achievement of that goal is I started and I started making these investments and I started finding these people who I could, you know, partner and collaborate with. And, uh, it's got me to, you know, a hundred or so. And, um, so, you know, that's given me the confidence that one, yeah, yes, it's possible. I've already started to make that part of my future, my property. And all I need is nine, another 900 or whatever it takes for, with the ones that fail. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, one of them goes to a billion dollars and that takes care of a lot of, you know, ones that fail. So, uh, so yeah, that's how I came up with that. And that's how I'm, I'm approaching it. Um, that that's great. And, um, and the thought of course, occurs as people are listening and I'm sure that there are a lot of people that, um, are always, uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are looking for, uh, investors, angel investors, and the like. Mm -hmm. Is there a way for people to uh, perhaps reach out and look for those type of opportunities? Where where would you send uh, people that are looking for um, investors or you know yeah. of the type looking for dollars? Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of like a uh, I would say a systematic thing. You know, first thing I would do is, you know, the people who know me, I would go there first, right? They're the, yeah. they're the most likely. And then the people in so, your community. So right now, if you're looking yeah. for money, you're trying to raise investors, the first thing you want to do is you want to go over to Mike's podcast and you want to start by subscribing and yeah. uh, start oh, a conversation. Very good, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he, he's giving yeah. you the path, guys. He's giving you the path to success right now. Yeah, come to yeah, come to my podcast. Come listen. Uh, I've got a couple of episodes with a guy named um, Phil Nadell, N A D E L. He runs a syndicate called Forefront Venture Partners. He invests in a ton of early stage companies. He's whether he invests in your company or not. Follow him. Uh, learn about him. Uh, become an investor in in his syndicate it's you can do that with a very modest amount of money and get yourself tied into somebody who can help you wow brilliant well guys um i hate to say it we've uh we've taken up as much uh time as we are able to from from mike so if you want to get more of him again you can go check out his podcast how uh how it happened uh you can get his book owner shift like Mike by Mike Malatesta. Uh, any other ways that people can get a hold of you? Can can follow you? Can yeah yeah come come to my website. It's my name Mike Malatesta M A L A T E S T A. You can 
Facebook.com. You can connect with me there. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm active <clears throat> there as well. And um, sign up for my newsletter. You can do that at the website as well. And you'll get, you know, some a weekly, uh, a weekly um, inspiration and activation blog just for you. And um, yeah, that's come see me. And well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for uh, sharing your life um, and uh, and and your journey, and obviously some of the valleys. I know there's so much more that we we didn't even get into, but you know people can definitely uh, get more of you. They can get your book and to learn some more of those stories and find out where you've come from. But uh, I just thank you for sharing uh, your wisdom with us right. today. Thanks for having me, Neil. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. All right. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you guys later. Take care.